Today we have a storyteller who takes charge, be it health, business or life in general and is never afraid to show up. In fact, interestingly, she landed her first job at the Time magazine by simply showing up at the front reception desk and asking for an opening that would suit her. So she is definitely a hustler and you just can't ignore her. When it was time to take charge of her health, she turned the boring plain water into what we know today as the famous unsweetened flavored water. Yes, the hint water. She didn't just stop at that and launch various other products after it. Every product she launched has a story to go along with it and goes back to taking charge again. Hint, as she often calls, is a cause agnostic company, a business success story with a lot of simple human touch points. Do you know, interestingly, that many Google employees joke about a term called uh, hint hoarding, where employees hide bottles under their desks for fear that their closest fridge might be emptied out by midday. Maybe that's how Hint became known as the unofficial beverage of Silicon Valley. But it wasn't all that easy, right, to set up the company and bring it to the level that it has today. We're discussing the journey of building the company from ground up with a mission to help people drink water more and help them stay healthy. What noble cause since, you know, childhood, my mother has been always telling me to drink more water throughout the day so that I keep uh, hydrated and fit. She's advising millions today with a simple yet such a powerful product. Let's hear from Kara herself, founder and CEO of Hint Inc. She was named the EY Entrepreneur of the Year 2017 and one of InStyle's 2019 Badass 50 on a Wall Street Journal bestseller, Undotted. The book is about her journey of building Hint, her fears, her doubts, the challenges she encountered and what she did to overcome them to eventually build a business and a life she loves. So let us welcome her and uh, hear from her about her story. Hi, Kara. Welcome to Secrets of Storytellers. How are you? Good. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show, Kara. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and thank you for the kind introduction. Great. Uh, I must uh, thank you for all the wonderful goodies uh, and uh, you know the products that you sent across along with the book. Uh, it was a delight not just to use the products, but uh, a great experience to uh, read through the book. And I must tell you that uh, uh, the, my wife, uh, we re- I recently got married and uh, my wife uh, read the book because she was so moved uh, by just the, you know, the preface of the book. And uh, she's become a bigger fan than I am. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you so much. It's very nice. Well, it's been a lot of fun uh, to, to build it. You know, I, I started the company 16 years ago. And uh, coming from tech, that's a lifetime ago, right? In 16 years. But I, I really believed from, from the beginning that this is really what the world needed. I saw how it really changed my life when I started drinking more water. I, I was drinking diet soda uh, for years and thinking that I was doing the right thing because it was diet and it was lower calories. But when I made that tiny little switch in my life, it was it was like a light bulb went off and I was able to, you know, really regain something in my life that I had been struggling with for years. And I think what anytime you you sort of hit this, you know, pleasant surprise in your life, right? Something that you weren't really looking for, but then it just happens your yeah. your curiosity kind of kicks into gear and you start wondering why and 
you know, not only did I think about this company from day one as really having a mission and purpose when no one was even talking about mission and purpose 16 years ago, uh, but I, I really felt like if I could get people to drink water without preaching to them, uh, you know, drink more water, right? Like all parents, uh, my parents certainly did that to me right. uh, as a kid too. But if I could make them realize just by offering them a great option, then they would hopefully see the changes in their own life, no matter what they were going through, whether it was just enjoying water more or really changing something in in their life and in their health. Um, Because I think, you know, even more so today than ever, all over the world, yeah. People care about health, right? They, they've seen it firsthand how health is something that, you know, for many kind of sneaks up on them as the highest priority. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what your gender is, where you live, uh, whether you're wearing a mask or you believe in the vaccine, whatever, whatever it is, people just want their health. And what I've said to people and, you know, for years is that it starts with you. It starts with how you treat your body and what you're putting into your body. And I think that my purpose in bringing the world a product like Hint was not to be the next beverage executive, not to take on big soda or big sugar. I knew that they would go do whatever they were going to do. But instead, I believed that if I could help people, consumers, actually get healthy by drinking better tasting water, then I would have purpose. I would have a reason for getting up every day and doing what I was doing. Right. I think that purpose shows in, and the purpose has uh, probably you know gone beyond uh, probably what you thought about it. And it has done wonders. Definitely. I mean, it, it's... It's something that, you know, people have always asked me uh, when, I, when I came from tech and decided to uh, start my company, they said, did you hate tech? Uh, you know, was, was it too male dominated? Was it boring? You know, whatever they would say. And I said, no, actually, I really enjoyed it. And I think what being in the tech industry for years taught me was that it's, the greatest businesses think about not only developing something for purpose and for mission, but also they, they think of the task as a puzzle and that there's no one right way hmm. to build it. And so one of, you mentioned my book. I mean, one of the things that I really wanted to get out there to other entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs or people who have maybe never even thought about being an entrepreneur, but I wanted to t- sort of describe to people the the process is right. it's not just about starting a company and flipping it and and you know making you know becoming the next unicorn. <laughs> For me, I really thought about it as trying to build something that no one else had really tackled. No one else had looked at this category, unsweetened flavored water, as something that was yeah. possible. One of and kind. so, um, and I knew it was hard. 
And people said, I think I would have stopped at that point and just thought it was impossible. Like, were people telling you that it was possible? And I said, no. Actually, everybody said it's impossible, but I asked a key question, which was why? Why was it impossible? And I was allowed to ask that question, I think, it was annoying probably to many to hear that here I am running around saying like a child, like, why, why, why? But for me, I was curious. And why is that? Why can't I produce a product that doesn't have preservatives in it that is using real fruit? And the thing that always kind of made me keep searching was people would say that they didn't know. They just, they believed that the rule was set. And I thought that that was, I would come home and I would think that's just kind of sad that you, that you hear that something is, you know, one way and you're a smart person and you think, huh, why is that? But you never explore it further. And I mean, that's, it's a broad statement. It's a big concept, but I think as society, we, we do that a lot. We don't question. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Things. So that was the moment when I really thought it is possible. Probably it might take me a long time, but to say that something is impossible when you don't, when you haven't really done the research, I thought if nothing else, I'll learn that it, that it is impossible. I'll keep testing it and and trying to go a little right. bit further. Lovely. I think uh, the story is uh, as motivating as, you know, I read it and even more so when when you hear it from you yourself. Uh, so, Kari, you, you've called yourself, uh, you know, an accidental entrepreneur. Why do you say that? Uh, you know, and I also want to understand what does it take for just showing up and, you know, creating one's own opportunities like you've done all your life? Well, I... I think for for me, so many people have asked me, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I had, as you mentioned, I started in the in media in in the magazine industry. Um, that was my my least entrepreneurial company that I had a very established company. Uh, I went on to work for a late stage startup called CNN. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, you know, very Ted Turner, the founder, was still running around the office, and you know he was a yeah. he was a dreamer. He was a visionary. Um, half some days we thought he was really smart, other days we thought he was a little crazy, and um, <laughs> but we enjoyed his vision. We enjoyed his dream, and we were willing to follow. And it was it was really you know when. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, I feel really fortunate to have, have been at CNN at the time to witness this, but it was when, um, you know, I, a part of the world, Iraq, was, was bombed. And the leader of Iraq said, I understand that I am at war by watching CNN. Mm. And that was really what put CNN on the map. And, you know, he always believed that 24-hour news was all over the world was an important thing. Yet there were many people who were saying, is it really important? I don't know if it's that important. And so working for somebody like that, that, again, held on to the stakes and said, this is possible when everybody else is saying is impossible, there's an excitement in the room, right? You, you are able, you know, you think that there's, 
there's a chance that he's wrong and he really is crazy. But there's another chance where you're seeing glimpses every day where you're like, I don't know, he might be right. And I went on to, I moved from New York to Silicon Valley and uh, uh, with my fiance and came to San Francisco. And the name that kept coming in my head uh, associated with Silicon Valley in San Francisco was Steve Jobs. And, you know, this is back in the 90s, the mid 90s, when, okay. you know, Steve Jobs, I had associated him with, um, with Apple computers. I was lucky enough to have an Apple computer uh, when I was in college. And, you know, there were a lot of choices out there in the market for computers. But for me, I love the design. I love the simplicity of the Apple. It was a little more money, but I felt like it sort of did what I wanted it to do. And when I moved to San Francisco, I thought maybe I could get a job with this guy, Steve Jobs at Apple, because okay. he's doing really cool things that are very simple. I don't know how they work. I'm not an engineer, but let's see. I could never figure out exactly how to get a job at Apple, but in my research, I heard that there was a small company that was starting that was a spin out of Apple, and uh, they were doing this thing called CD-ROM shopping. This was before broadband and fast connections like we're on right now and all of that. And I thought, you know, I, I enjoy shopping. I don't have time to shop. There's a lot of brands where maybe I would want to shop from. So it made sense to me. Uh -huh. And I saw the same kind of, uh, the same kind of, you know, dreaming and hope and vision and, and that I saw even working at CNN mm -hmm. where there was a chance it wasn't going to work, but I thought, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, the whole company goes belly up and then, you know, and I'm able to sort of tell a good story at dinner about what had happened. And, you know, and if nothing else, it, it, you know, it's just interesting. It'll be fun. I'll learn a lot at all of these things. So uh, I ended up taking the job there and then we were acquired by America Online uh, a bigger company than the little startup I was at. Uh, America Online, maybe Steve Case doesn't want to admit this, but back in, you know, 1996, they were, they were in third place when they acquired us. I mean, they were, they were in, you know, definitely um, an up and coming, but there were companies like CompuServe and Prodigy that were definitely ahead of them. And so, our goal was actually to be number one. And he believed that in order to do that, you had to have a, a channel strategy where it was easy to click, very similar to kind of what Apple had talked about. So again, I saw a lot of that vision. I saw a lot of the, the same leadership putting stakes in the ground. Some days you thought, nah, I don't know. And then other days you thought, well, maybe. Nice. And seven years later, it was a. I was running a group, uh, in the partnerships in the group. It was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL. So that was the moment when I never really thought we were going to hit a billion dollars. Um, and when I came up with this idea for Hint, going back to the original question, sorry, long-winded story, but how I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because. 
I worked for all these incredible entrepreneurs, but I didn't actually stop and think, okay, with this experience, I'm going to go start my own thing. A lot of people do that. I did not. Instead, what I felt was I could go and work for another entrepreneur because I had amazing, very different experiences, different stages of companies. I'm, you know, probably an unusual person in that I don't care what size company I go and, you know, that I'm a part of. I think I've proven that I can work for large companies. I can work for really small companies. I can scale companies. I can start my own company. Uh, But the core thing for me was the product and the connection and what it was doing to actually help the consumer. And so I didn't start Hint by saying, I'm going to go even start a new company. It was always about the consumer and what I'm doing to help them. So you've called the book uh, Undaunted, you know, subtitled Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Uh, I am curious, uh, you know, what were these doubts? Who were these doubters that you're talking about? Well, I think everybody, first of all, has doubts, right? And anyone who is telling you that they have never had any doubts, they've never had any fears is not telling you the truth. They're (laughs) lying, right? We all have them. And, and I think for, for me, so many people have called me a fearless risk taker. And, you know, how did you know you could go and take on, you know, Coke and Pepsi and, and take on big sugar and, and, there were, there were many days where I wasn't sure this was all going to work and that I, you know, had, I had situations where people were more than willing to tell me that it wasn't going to work too. I always share with entrepreneurs that friends and family and people that you actually care what they say and, and you love and maybe even experience people that you don't really know, right. uh, but you're asking for their thoughts and their advice, their words harder than anybody, right? And everybody, right? They're, they don't want you to take any risk. Yeah. <laughs> they're thinking, especially your your closest family, they're like, why are you doing this? You're a, you're a successful tech executive. You can go <laughs> and do things, you know? And for me, I think that it really goes back to the purpose and the the purpose of wanting to change something that I saw was wrong. And that's the only way that I can really kind of look at my journey and, and sort of how I was feeling about things. But I definitely had doubts, uh, definitely had fears along the way, but I kept saying, I have to keep moving forward. I have to live undaunted. And I would, you know, sometimes even smile and joke about, you know, this is the way I have to keep moving forward. And some days it'd be hard to move forward. I I felt like I had moved back many steps and, and that I had to close up shop for the day and, and start again tomorrow. But I, but I kept believing that as long as I continued to make some progress, as long as I was satisfying the consumer, that I would continue to keep moving forward. And and Lovely. I think that's an important thing for all people to know is, is that you're going to have fears, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have your own doubts, you're going to have people that doubt you along the way. But when you actually start to make progress, those are the first people too <laughs> who will show up and say, I always knew you could do it. And in your mind, you're thinking, no, you are the one. <laughs> That upset me the worst. And right. 
And the, you yeah. didn't believe. You were saying, I, you know, instead, the, the people today who say, I should have invested in you. I really believed you. And I'm thinking, no, you told me this is never going to happen. And Coke <laughs> is going to crush you like a bug. And I mean, I remembered, I remembered it all and still do. And I, and so I, I share with people, that's the problem with being mm. a, I guess, a visionary entrepreneur is that a lot of people, you're way ahead of them. And it's hard. It's, and, and it's, it's, uh, it, you're, it's lonely at times as well. And you've got to mm. not only continue to hold on to, you know, the dream, but imagine, you know, Ted Turner or Steve Case or Steve Jobs and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, along the way, thinking, you know, everyone is sitting here saying this is stupid. And I shouldn't be doing this, but they they kept getting up and trying to make more progress, and and so it's something that I I think is really important for people. I totally agree because you know the fact that I could relate to your story. This was the very reason, you know, because you know for always, like forever, entrepreneurs are represented as mavericks, you know, strong, aggressive, fearless. Uh, Risk taking is like second nature and all of that. But when you talk about your story in Unwanted. You talk about your fears, your doubts, you know, things that were questions in your mind, you know, things that I go through every day, probably. And that is where I thought, you know, I could connect with uh, with your story so well, that, that which was really beautiful, I think. Thank you. Well, and it's surprising to me how many people don't really talk about it. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I'll share a story with you, another story with you. Why not? When Please. I was writing the book, uh, there were there were many I talked to a few different publishing houses. And they said, uh, because you're a female entrepreneur or because you're a beverage entrepreneur, we think this is too narrow. Okay. <laughs> and that it won't help people because they'll only pick up the book if they are interested in beverages, maybe food as well. And the fact that you're a female, like maybe they wouldn't, maybe they wouldn't be able to associate the fears. And, you know, I, I've said, over and over again, and and seen this firsthand, the audience is is much broader. And now I've proved it. Right, I had the doubters um, from uh, you know early on the publishers that didn't want to publish the book, who said we really like you, we like the content, but we think it'll be too small, so we're going to pass. And you know, and I no matter what right. I said, they weren't going to do it. It's the same story, right? Like I knew. And my purpose in writing this book and getting it out there was to help a lot of people. The number of people who have written to me who haven't mm -hmm. wanted to share their fears. They don't feel like they have an audience to be able to share that they have failed in some way. They have to have this bravado, you know, out there that they, you know, are not learning. They're the experts. Yeah. Uh, and that, and they've written to me privately and said, I really appreciated it because I did have a failure and I don't really know how to talk to people about it. Or I've had people who have always thought about being an entrepreneur, but have been successful in, you know, their roles inside of large companies and said, I think somewhere I'm, I actually fear looking stupid and looking, you know, it's not about the money or it's it's about, you know, what if I fail, then people will laugh. And, you know, yeah. I think it's the book. What I'm so excited about the book is that I think it's creating a conversation for people 
to say that that's your journey, right? That's how you Mm. grow. You grow by facing what you're afraid of. And if you, you have to have an idea uh, to, to go and start a company. Uh, but yeah. I think that if you have an idea and you're the only one with the idea, then that could be okay. You have to test it out. You have to try it and see whether or not you have a consumer that is interested. You have to see whether or not you can build community around it, all of those things. And even if it fails, I've always said, you know what, if you're really that good, inside of your large company that you've been working in, it actually is not a mark against you that you went out and tried something on your own and it didn't work (laughs) out. The number of people I've met, especially in Silicon Valley, but also interviewed at at our company over the years, the stories they share and what they learned. Maybe they learned how to work inside of a large company, how to raise money, uh, what happens when, you know, You've got to make payroll. What happens when, you know, you're the only one taking the garbage out? Yeah. When, you know, when you don't have enough product to actually uh, sell on your store yeah. and, and you've got demand. All of these things are so important uh, to learn inside of a business that I think, frankly, many universities today just don't teach those things. You have to really learn firsthand, no matter what industry you decide to go into. So I think it's an incredible opportunity to to be a part of an entrepreneurial venture or go start your own. <laughs> I think uh, I really, I'm reminded of the paradox, you know, obstacle is the way. Yeah. And it, it really <laughs> is. And, you know, you think about those times, we all have our own journey. You think about those times when you ran into an obstacle and you think at the moment, maybe you think it's really bad. Yeah. Like it's really, you know, you're embarrassed, you're, oh gosh, what it, what's happening? What am I going to do? But how you actually figured out how to get through that obstacle, maybe get over that wall, or also how you really could do something when you were nervous that you weren't going to be able to, or maybe it turned out differently right. and it wasn't all bad. Uh, and, you know, here's what you learned along, whatever it is. That's what I share with people. Those obstacles are really valuable lessons. I, I've heard, yeah. I heard one person say the other day, always forget about your past. And I thought, no, actually, I think you, that's, that's totally wrong. You can, you can learn a lot from your past and your past, I think, are the keys to you being able to move forward. It's almost to gamify it. You I think about, you know, how do you look at those times when you were the most challenged, when they didn't turn out the way that you wanted? Those are the keys to the kingdom. It's just so nice to hear, uh, you know, your story, how you've come through, what you've done in your life. I think it's just motivating. Thank you. Great. So we have one last question for you. And uh, this is uh, the last section of the podcast. This is common across all my episodes. And I ask each one of my guests one secret about the book, uh, because we've called the show Secrets of Storytellers, uh, or, uh, you know, one secret about uh, the time when you were writing this book that probably you've not really shared a lot out in the open. So what would that be? I actually hired uh, an editor who would help me uh, take 
take the uh, book down. So we worked together for about four months. And I tell people that, you know, this is somebody who, uh, you know, really gets to know you because he's hearing all your stories. And then there's this constant battle with him because I'm like, you can't cut that story out because that's that's one of the best stories. There's a lot of lessons <laughs> in here. And so there was this banter going back and forth constantly uh, and with him. And, you know, I was speaking to him five or six days a week and uh, for hours. Can you get, you know, after a while you get sort of punchy and, you know, as you're talking to him and laughing and you're learning about his family and where he lives and what he's doing and, you know, everything. It's sort of like an office mate and, you know, that you're seeing every day. And we turned in the manuscript at the beginning of 2020 and uh, had just finished picking out the title for the book and, and had done a lot of things. And he was actually working next on a book for Jeff Bezos. And uh, so he was on a hard deadline and I got a phone call uh, from my agent um, towards the end of March. I just talked to John, was my editor, and she said, John has passed away and he had a heart attack. And uh, they don't know if it was COVID related, if it was uh, what exactly happened. And I said, no, I just talked to him yesterday. We were talking about the title, we were laughing. And she said, I'm so sorry. And so he did not get to see the book actually published and and Undaunted was the last book. But again, it was in many ways, I felt like it was a gift, you know, to me to be able to have somebody who, you know, really helped me to get the story out there and hopefully helped a lot of other people uh, too, by, you know, getting these lessons and these messages out there. And it was, you know, I really am so thankful. I talk about them in the very back of the acknowledgements. And, but again, it was, you know, it was really, it was somebody who didn't come yeah. into my life until much later. Um, but I appreciated him and I appreciated his gift to me. Definitely. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's really close to you, I'm sure. Thank you. Great. I think uh, uh, thanks a lot, Kara, for your time. It was a lovely discussion. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, I just loved it and I'm sure our listeners are going to love it too. Uh, there's so much to learn. There's so much to, there's so much value, I think, uh, in whatever you say. And uh, uh, there's motivation for everyone, you know, for, for every normal person to go out there and try whatever idea they have. I think that's a, that's a big motivation to have. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. And hopefully... Uh, you all get a chance to listen. It's to Undaunted on Audible or it's available on Amazon worldwide as well. And uh, yep. I'm all over social at Kara Golden and I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll drop the links to all your uh, social media handles and the book as well in the description to this episode. So the listeners can definitely go and pick up the book. And I'm sure they would have already done that uh, by the time they listen to it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kara. Thank you. It was lovely having you on the show. Until the next secret and the next storyteller, this is Shubham signing off. <laughs>